Welcome to the special edition of the Red Compass Labs After Hours podcast, recorded live at EBA Day 2022 in Vienna. As we recorded this in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the event, you will hear some background noise, which hopefully imparts some of the exciting vibe of the first in-person payments event for Europe since 2019. Enjoy. John, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you're head of customer success for Europe at Form 3. For those who are not familiar with Form 3, they provide an enterprise-grade payment technology platform on the cloud built using microservices. Now, there's a lot of complex words in there, John. Not all of them easy to understand. So perhaps you could share with our audience what Form 3 does in, in simpler terms than I used. Happy to do so, Mike. And good morning to you and to your, uh, your listeners. So, Form 3 essentially provides a, gate, a gateway, a payments gateway platform. And if you think about the payments journey and you chunk it all up, the, the first mile is basically the customer initiating a payment. That could be via a digital interface, could be via Swift, could be via host to host, could be via a visit to the branch. The payment journey then continues to the core banking system. And the core banking system where you have your ledger, your account set up, your product definitions, your client data. Then that payment will transition to the payment engine or the payment hub where it is formatted and routed, and then you have a payment gateway, which is the interface between the payment engine and the underlying clearing system. That could, could be SEPA, could be FBS backs, it could be CHAP, it could be SWIFT, for example. So we are specialists in that particular area, which is the last mile, which is the payment gateway. And we support, as I said earlier, SEPA, US schemes, US, UK schemes, uh, SWIFT, and also a partnership with Goldman Sachs for cross currency payments. Fantastic. Can you tell us more about the volume you support in the UK? UK? Well, we, the UK has been a very interesting market. Now, the UK is a domestic market, so it's a single market, so very different from, from the European markets. But the UK uh, has uh, an initiative called the uh, New Papers Architecture, MPA, and it's really causing the banks in the UK to think again about their payment gateway solutions and driving change. So that's the burning platform of the UK infrastructure, which is going to be replaced. It's going to be very complex, it's going to be very expensive, and therefore clients are saying, actually, let's outsource to a third party, a fully managed service like Form 3, where we make all the changes on behalf of the clients so they don't have to, so we mutualize the cost across our entire client base. And that's driven our market share up to over 40%. That's amazing. Well very happy with the UK market. Obviously, we'd love to do the same thing in Europe, and we're building out our European capabilities and our European footprint. Uh, but Europe is not one single market, it is many, many markets, and each individual market has its own story. So <laughs> France is not the same as Germany, it's not the same as Italy, it's not the same as Spain. That diversity is worth celebrating, from a payments perspective it's uh, pretty complex. Yeah, and that's interesting because I was just on the panel about ISO 222, yep. and we were discussing this about this point around SEPA and how at the end there was like different level of the SEPA implementation per country. Yep. And now, most probably, there is a chance it will be the same with the ISO implementation as well. So I think, like, you know... But more complex, probably. More complex even, and I think from a bank's perspective, it's actually quite key, because it increases your cost quite significantly, right, to implement all this customization of flavor per market, and also, like, keep up with one of the things we foresee, which is like right now, regulatory changes and new rule book are only yearly, but yeah. potentially the cadence could increase. Yeah. And each time, it's a lot of work for the bank, right? Yeah. So actually, I think externalizing this to a party like yeah. France, totally makes sense. It's a good point. The rate of change is increasing. Um, the challenges for organizations to build new markets, new capabilities increasing as well. And there's a point where you say, you know, how much is 
there's a direct cost for the people doing it. There's the opportunity cost yeah. of diverting resources to an area which is not where you differentiate. You differentiate on the front end and the services the capability yeah. to provide, and you're using resources to work on the back end of the last mile. That's not where you're spending your time. So you, you bring in the commodity that, that basically it's with plug and play makes it easy for them. They don't have to think about all those challenges. They can focus where they're, That's the where idea. they're delivering value-added services to their clients. That's the idea. And we've seen this constantly throughout the last 24 hours where everyone's saying it's too much money, it's too complicated. Now we're all talking about cloud migration. The transition, the transformation journey continues and it, it's never going to end. Yeah. At some point, you just can't resource it all. And you shouldn't want to resource it all because you shouldn't be spending a lot of time and energy on stuff that's not going to differentiate the client experience, frankly. And, yeah. and I think like your point around like diverting resources is really, really key at this point in time because if you think of the number of like um, modernizations that the payment infrastructure needs to go through, you have competing projects and therefore competing resources on all yeah. the priority rights, which are either which are operational resilience, which are like you know potentially in the future, hopefully soon, blockchain implementation as yeah. well, right? So, like, unfortunately, the resources are limited, and especially with the resources with the expertise you need. Yeah. So I think like actually bringing the right partner in again, like for me, makes sense. But, but also think about the psychology of it. If you are working for an organization, a bank, for example, and you've got specialist skills, are you going to want to be working on a project which is really far down the value chain? Or are you going to be spending all your time and energy on the exciting, shiny, client-facing project? I know what I would want to do. So even if you had all the resources in the world, which you don't, you then have to convince them that working on these projects is good for their, for their career. And that's just not often. Yeah, that's we talk to. It's, uh, they want to do the new stuff. Exactly. exactly, that's a great point. And yeah, it's, there is a war for talent, right? Because there's only so many people in the payments industry. And Absolutely. Uh, it's challenging, good good challenge. Okay, a little disclaimer for our audience. Let's go back down memory lane for a second. Actually, our, our very first After Hours podcast um, we recorded was with Adam Olson. Uh, back then, Adam was one of the Form 3 co-founders and had just decided to begin a new chapter of his career. That was almost two years ago. It was quite a, quite a while ago. And a lot, of, a lot has changed. Uh, in that time, obviously, with, with the pandemic, we've seen CBDC starting to get really serious. We've seen fraud picking up like never before through this period. Uh, we've seen increased adoption of instant payments and now in, you know, cross-border instant payments as well. And the rise of embedded finance and finally the ever so, ever so tiny migration uh, by the whole global payments industry towards ISO 2022. So with all of these things going on, how, how has that impacted Form 3 strategy? I think you and I have a similar vintage, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I don't believe you believe that the rate of change has ever been different. There's always, every single year, there's something happening, right? So I don't think we're ever going to see a steady state. The rate of change will accelerate. It's being further complicated by technology because obviously the new technology is putting pressure on the old technology. There's transformation, there's legacy systems, etc. So change is the only constant. Yeah. Right? And the good thing about that is it validates what we've already talked about, right? Is that in an environment where there's a huge amount of volatility, a huge amount of demands on your limited investment resources, it's about making choices. So that entirely validates our overall strategy, which is there's parts of the value chain where you should absolutely be doing your own thing, proprietary. There's other parts of the value chain where you should be mutualizing and looking for utility solutions. And there's another part of the value chain where you should frankly outsource it to someone else. 
So on the basis that our entire value proposition is on mutualizing the effects, isolating the change from our clients, and making it cost-effective, it's exactly what we do. So the more change, the more complex it becomes, the more the form three value proposition becomes attractive. Because it allows clients to say, actually, that's something I don't want to manage. I'm going to push my resources elsewhere. From our perspective, the reason why we like this part of the value chain is because it is probably the least volatile part of the value chain because it's the area where the rules are clear, the requirements are specified in rule books. They are very different market to market, and therefore we try and isolate clients from that, and there are changes that happen all the time. But we can create a multi-tenant solution where all of our clients use the same, same code. We make a change once, and that's across the entire client base. We're not perpetuating change across multiple instances, and therefore we can make the economics work. Yeah, and that, that fundamentally, fundamentally reduces the cost for the whole industry. It should do. Reduces you know, the, the cost of payments, which I think is what everyone, everyone wants. Right? That's what everyone's driving towards. Because if we continue to spend 80 to 90 percent of our technology budget, and I know you've had this conversation with clients, right? If we continue to do that and we see compliance increases, cost increase, fraud, cost increase, where's the money going to come from? Yeah, it's unsustainable, isn't it? It's completely unsustainable. It's completely unsustainable. It's about competing as well in this market, right? And especially now that you have new actors like fintechs or even the neo bank, right? If you look at some of the studies that have been published on the market, a new bank with no legacy can basically like you know reduce the cost by 80%. Yep. So that means if you think of I'm offering a product to the market, right? If basically your costs are lower, you can price high lower as well and still recognize the exactly. same margin. So I think like this is definitely something yeah. banks need come to back. Look which, at. which choice would you make, right? Would you, yeah. would you like to make more margin and, and spend less on your bottom line? Uh, or right. it's, it's about choices. It's about choices, right? Yeah. And, and if you haven't got a legacy on which you've got to then you know transform, it's a lot easier. Greenfield yeah. versus Brownfield uh, is a totally different absolutely. story. But you know, obviously, I speak to fintechs on a regular basis, and they, they, they're honest enough to recognise that they're building the legacy of, of tomorrow. Yes. Right? And the challenge is, how do you avoid making the same not, not mistakes? Because I don't think mistakes are the necessary decisions we have to make in the industry. But how do you avoid creating a legacy in ten years' time where they go, yeah. how do we now? What do we do? Right? Yeah. That's a real challenge. For me, it's like. To your point, it's about perhaps leveraging the lesson learned from players that have been a bit longer in the industry and adjusting them based on like what is your business model, what is your ambition, and so on as a, as a company. Yeah, actually, I think yeah, this is a nice segue to the next question. When it comes to payment monetization, we, we, we typically see two strategies that banks approach. You know, on the one side, the fig tree approach, where you know you. you you basically envelop or wrap the core banking system, the legacy technology, and, and kind of build around it. And the incremental approach, or on the other side, completely different technology stack as well. So yeah. sometimes, of course, banks will do that with new brand names. They'll create a new, a completely new bank, actually, you know, with a, with some kind of technology bridge back to the mothership. So, which of the two approaches? Maybe you've already answered this. Would you recommend most, and and why? Or is there is there a third option for them to <laughs> adopt? So great question. I think both strategies provide a credible path to modernization in terms of the tech stack. But what matters most is what are your objectives, what are your timescales, and what's your investment capacity to achieve it. Right? 
But I think underlying all that, the most important realization is that it's never done. Yeah. You said this already, right? So it's not like you can choose one or the other and say, we're done for the next 30 years. That's just not the reality. So we're six years old, six to seven years old. We've already refreshed our tech stack once. So we made a decision six years ago, seven years ago to use certain technology. That technology is absolutely fine, but the requirements have shifted and therefore we've had to refresh our tech stack to recognize the new requirements. That's the reality going forward. It's probably always been the reality. So you've got to build an open architecture that can integrate best in class, platform as a service, infrastructure as a service, software as a service, whatever the components are that you can bring into that open architecture, you need to build that into your design. Because you're going to be refreshing and replacing stuff. Probably sooner than you, you expect as well. Accelerated obsolescence, right? We all do it with our iPhones every two to three years. Whether we like it or not, we have to replace our iPhones or our smartphones because the iOS and the new apps only run the new iOS. We're going to need to upgrade to 5G if we want to get the speed, right? It's exactly the same in, in full paper technology. If you build with the assumption it's going to stay the same for the next 20 years, you're creating tomorrow's legacy. If you build on the assumption you're going to have to switch stuff out, for good reason, because the technology is now better, it's improved, what was best in class today is not going to be best in class tomorrow. Someone's developed a new platform like Form 3, which is going to reduce your cost and your complexity. It has to be plug and play. It really has to. to I, lo I love that concept of designing for obsolescence. It's, uh, you've, got to yeah, you, you've got to think about it up front, right? And be realistic. It, I think it's interesting what you said, though, about like, you know, switching off. We had this discussion recently on the podcast as well, and like, it's very hard for a bank to switch off things, right? If you look at like a bank infrastructure, often you have like the legacy of. Yep. things that have been there at some point in time and yeah removing this it's, it's a lot easier than you think yeah. and, and the reason why it's become easier is because the business has stopped telling the engineers that you must have this system or that system they've yeah. gone to the yeah. engineers and they said it's a way of working so you guys decide what the open architecture looks like and then you fix it, you work it yeah. out. We truly have, I'm starting technology 30 years ago, so I'm, a, I'm an old COBOL programmer, right? And the architects were incredibly influential in how we set up the systems 30 years ago, and they've sustained those systems until today. Then there was a mad rush because of uh, the big bang in the city, because of global expansion, and it was just going to chuck as much technology at the problem as you could. And then you sort of built a bit of a linear tower of pieces, right? The architects are back in force. Nobody goes around to an, uh, to, a, to an event like this without their architect in tow. It's amazing how it's changed. And it's the right thing to do. Of course, the architects have to make sure they're not architecting something which is inflexible. They have to make yeah. sure they're also architecting an architecture and that the engineers are doing their job as engineers and not just banging out code. So the philosophy has changed. I think it's good. Yeah, I think, I think the only thing that uh, now needs to change is the kind of investment cycles from a finance perspective so you're not depreciating your assets over 10 years and have to sweat them, right? But that's, that's, a, good point. that's, a, that's a difficult challenge, I think, that a lot a of banks point. because they're expected to make those business cases pay uh, you know, and you, you can't, you can't earn, earn things back typically in three or four years. That's right? a fair point. Sometimes it's those constraints yeah, that we don't realize. Yeah, yeah. Those are the real constraints, yeah. right? The money I'm is the I'm not going to write off that investment in three years. No, 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 no. no. That'd be, that's a good point. But to be fair, like, only you know, like, since the way we used to account in the PNL and so on, needs to change because, like, the way a cloud or a pass solution is accounted currently. Yeah. 
sort of like not fit for purposes anymore. Like I think all the rules have been designed in a time where you had on-point infrastructure, very yeah, stable yeah. infrastructure and so on, which is not the case at all anymore. Well, that's a good point as well, because when you think about the Form 3 relationship with clients, it's an OPEX relationship. It's a per-transaction relationship. So there isn't the same amortization impact because the implementation fee you know, is there, but it's not like you've got a 10-year contractual engagement. It really is a much shorter period of time, and it is a pay-for, pay-for-play, pay-to-play type of transaction. So Absolutely. Maybe one final question, getting back to where we are here at TBA Day today. What, what's the best insight that you've heard so far from the, the, the last 24 hours? So I was encouraged when, during a panel, there was broad recognition of some of the things we talked about today. Like the need to uh, work with ecosystems, the need to work with platforms, the openness to support off-prem rather than on-prem proprietary ownership models. So that's encouraging. The industry is definitely moving in the right direction. In the same panel, there was another question which said, are financial institutions ready <laughs> to cooperate and to mutualize costs? And the answer was, not just yet. So I think the idea, the, the seed has been sown. There's definitely some early adopters, but I think the bulk of the industry still has a way to go to, to overcome some of the historical views of, of how the set things up. So I think we're on, we're on a journey, as always, encouraging to see some uh, green shoots. I think it's a long way to go. Fantastic insights. And I think, like, you know, to your point around collaboration, again, coming back to where we are at EBA Day and so on, like, you see the energy. I mean, I've done different EBA Day before, right? Yeah. And here, I feel like because for three years, people, like, could not collaborate face-to-face and were kind of isolated, I feel a different type of energy where actually, like, People are more open to share their challenges, discuss, like you know, and yep. and see how we can like put this together. So I agree with you. I'm just hoping it's going to change sooner than we think. John, thanks for talking with us today. It's been great to have you here. Great insights, and uh, look forward to seeing Form Three go from strength to strength. Thank you. Thank you. At Red Compass Labs, we exist to help open the doors of finance to all and to protect those who enter. I hope today's discussion sheds some light for you on the fascinating future of payments that is unfolding all around us. We really appreciate the support of our audience, so if you've enjoyed this discussion, please show your support by giving us a thumbs up, hitting subscribe and clicking on the bell to get notified when new content arrives in future. Also, don't be shy about giving us feedback. We really appreciate your comments and suggestions for topics and guests. That's all for this time. Catch you on the flip side.